My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. There's an old legend that says that when God created birds, initially he created them without wings. He created the wings separately. And then he told the birds to go and try and lift their wings. So some of them tried to lift them with their beaks, but they found them too heavy. And then they tried to lift them with their claws, but they found them too large. And then one of the birds managed to hoist the wings onto his shoulders. And little by little, the wings began to attach themselves to the shoulders. And then that bird flapped the wings and found that he could fly. And so what had once been a heavy burden that was too difficult to carry became the very thing that enabled the birds to go where they could never had never gone before and to truly fulfill the destiny of their creation. And so the challenges or the duties or the burdens or the responsibilities that we may count as difficulties today may be part of God's destiny for our life. The means by which our soul is to be lifted up and prepared for eternity. It's pressure that turns coal into a diamond. We're told in the letter of St. James, you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Pilate then had Jesus taken away and scourged. And after this, the soldiers twisted some thorns into a crown and put it on his head and dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and slapping him in the face. Pilate came outside and said to them, Look, I'm going to bring him out to you to let you see that I find no case against him first declaration of innocence on the part of Pilate. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said, here is the man. When they saw him, the chief priests and the guards shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said, take him away yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. Second declaration of innocence from Pilate. <clears throat> the Jews replied, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to be put to death, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard them say this, his fears increased. Re-entering the praetorium, he said to Jesus, where do you come from? But Jesus made no answer. In Latin, Jesus autum tacebat. Christ kept silent. It's interesting to see 
the witness of silence that Christ gives on the way to the cross. He says very few things. And so silence also in our carrying and bearing the cross can be very indicative of our acceptance of the will of God in all the ways that it comes to us. Pilate then said to him, are you refusing to speak to me? Surely you know I have power to release you and I have power to crucify you. And so earthly power comes face to face with the divine power. Jesus replied, you would have no power over me at all if it had not been given to you from above. And so Christ does not miss the opportunity of clarifying your viewpoints. That is why the man who handed me over to you has the greater guilt. From that moment, Pilate was anxious to set him free. Third expression of innocence on the part of Pilate. But the Jews shouted, if you set him free, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who makes himself king is defying Caesar. And so now the clever Jews play the Caesar card. They hated Caesar. He was the colonial ruler. They wanted the Romans out of their land as far away as possible. But now when it's convenient, they begin to talk about Caesar. Hearing these words, Pilate had him brought out and seated him on the chair of judgment at a place called the pavement in Hebrew Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, said Pilate to the Jews. But they shouted, away with him, away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king except Caesar. They were effective, very effective in hailing Caesar in this moment. They knew that Pilate wanted a much better appointment. He was in the furthermost points of the Roman Empire. He wanted a, a situation much closer to Rome. And for that, he had to stay in Caesar's good books. And so in threatening him with Caesar, they knew they were sort of threatening his professional future. And so they do this very well. So at that, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. They then took charge of Jesus. And carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, or as it is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him, with two others, one on either side, Jesus being in the middle. Pilate wrote out a notice and had it fixed on the cross. It ran, Jesus the Nazarene, King of the Jews. We have followed the life of our Lord in the last few days, his birth and then his public life. And now we come to the last few hours of his public life, his crucifixion, the Last Supper, and Our Lady beside the cross. And we're reminded of the central importance that the cross has in our life. The instrument of redemption. Some saints have liked to say that joy and happiness in this world have their roots in the form of a cross. 
Happiness does not consist in doing things that are easy. Our Lord said very frequently, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross and follow me. If you want to be my disciple. And so the cross is part and parcel of our life. When we find the cross, we can be happy because we have found Christ. This is his will for us in this particular way. And often the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the wounds of the crucifixion. There's no cross and there's no Holy Spirit. We must bring into our life, we're told, in the way of the cross, to make them our own. The life and death of Christ. We must die through mortification and penance so that Christ may live in us through love. And then follow in the footsteps of Christ with a zeal to co-redeem all mankind. There may be little passive crosses that our Lord sends us from time to time. It may be in the course of our life. But there should also be little active crosses or mortifications that we impose on ourselves. Denying ourselves little things. Maybe at mealtimes or some other little pleasures or posture. To offer our Lord the cross that we impose on ourselves. One of the things that the, the devil wants is that we run away from the cross. Or that we hate the cross. Hatred for the cross is one of the signs of the devil. At Golgotha, they said, let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now for us to see it and believe. Even though who were, those who were crucified with him taunted him. And so the enemies of the church make the same taunts to the church. Come down from the cross. Come down from your belief in the sacredness of human life, in the sanctity of marriage, in the theology of the body, in the belief that every marriage act must be open to the transmission of human life, that homosexuality is wrong, that divorce is wrong, that IVF is wrong, that the morning after pill is wrong, that truth is merely what is pleasing. Come down from all these silly crosses and then we will believe. But Christ didn't come down from the cross. He stayed on the cross. And he invites us to do the same. To be generous in the little crosses of each day. Or the larger ones. A standard four little girl once told me once how she said, I hate carrots. And my mummy is always giving me carrots. I told her that, well, this has to do with a thing our Lord said in the gospel. And he said, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your carrots and follow me. And so we all have our carrots. Some little thing that God has sent along that we don't particularly like or that we have to make an effort to conquer ourselves in. But yet that's the means to our holiness. We're told in the way of the cross, we must give our life for others. That is the only way to live the life of Jesus Christ and to become one of the same thing with him. 
We must give ourselves in everything. We must deny ourselves in everything. The sacrifice must be a holocaust. Often modern culture is scandalized by any sacrifice which is not done for self. Sacrifice for others seems to be out of consideration. But when we look to the cross, we see the great self-giving of Jesus on the cross. It's full of love for the will of the Father. If it is possible, let this chalice pass from me. Yet not my will, rather yours be done. And on the cross, our Lord shows us the meaning of love, tells us that love is sacrifice. If you want to know who you love in this world, well, ask yourself, for whom am I willing to sacrifice myself? Or who are the people who have loved me in this world? They're those who have sacrificed themselves for me. For most of us, it's our parents. And so we come to have a deeper appreciation of the love that we have been shown. If you ask your mom, well, mom, was I ever unlovable? And she'll say, sit down for an hour, I'll tell you about it. No? We have all been unlovable, but others have sacrificed themselves for us. And so our Lord invites us to follow that same pathway for other people, to lay down our life. A little girl said to her mom, Mom, why are you so ugly? Why is your face so scarred and your hands so scarred? And the mother said, well, my little darling, when you were a baby, your, your room caught fire and your cot caught fire. And the only thing I could think about was to rush into the burning room and the burning cot and grab you from that place. And that's where I got these scars. The little girl said, oh, mommy, I love your scars. At the end of our life, this will be the means whereby God recognizes us. Sanctity is love. Charity is love. Love is sacrifice. He will see the extent of our love in the extent of our sacrifice. How we have given ourselves for others and forgotten about ourselves in various ways. And often our Lord calls us to do that in the little things of each day. Fulfilling our daily, daily duties. Perhaps mortifying ourselves in little things. Offering our Lord the, the martyrdom of little things done well every day. Or of persevering in the work that we have begun. And often... Well, our Lord will send us particular lights when we try to carry the cross. There's a light that comes from the cross. There is joy in the cross. There is rest in the cross. When we try to run away from the little crosses that God wants to permit in our life, we don't find happiness. We find emptiness. And so the sanctifying of little things is great if done for love. 
often it's the difficult things that make us improve. And so a good spirit to have is to thank our Lord each day for the crosses that he sends us. It's there that we become holy. And he gives us the grace to carry those crosses. There was a French magazine many years ago who, which told a story about a report about a Jew who, before leaving for the gas chamber in a concentration camp, wrote on a slip of paper, Lord, remember also the men of ill will, but do not remember their cruelties. Remember the fruits that we have borne because of what they did. And grant, Lord, that the fruits that we have borne may one day be their redemption. There are many beautiful testimonies of people who've gone before us, of how they have carried the cross, which can be a great inspiration for us. One writer says we should meditate on the grandeur of this message, which shows that the Holy Spirit was at work in the horror of the concentration camps. In the book of Daniel, God does not prevent the three young men from being thrown into the furnace, but he protects them because the angel of the Lord goes down into it with them. And so God does not spare us trial, but as he tells us in the Psalms, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Christ's silent recollection on the way of the cross is a, a great lesson for mankind. From the crib to the cross, silence is constantly present. Love is not expressed in words. It takes on flesh and becomes one of the same thing with the one who loves in truth. Its strength, its strength is such that it leads us to give ourselves even unto death, unto the humble, silent, and pure gift of our life. If we want to prolong Christ's work on earth, it's necessary to love silence, solitude, and prayer. In the death of Jesus, then, this is a great silence. In Gethsemane, when the end is near, the apostles are sleeping. The three chosen apostles, chosen in a very special way, and yet they're so weak at this key moment. They're incapable of understanding in depth the drama that is being played out. Christ remains one last night in silence, in prayer. Nocturnal silence is Christ's companion. And so suffering of silence can also be God's hallmark in a soul. It shows how much we have accepted the will of God rather than our own. And so we can try and grow in our spirit of self-renunciation, saying no to ourselves. If a person doesn't mortify themselves in some way, well, they sort of remain outside of God. 
somehow the things of God don't touch them. A very good thing to do is to contemplate the, the cross of Christ and ask the strength of love to carry it. Christ is a book of wisdom. The center of this wisdom is the cross, supreme love revealed. Christ could have saved us in other ways because he's omnipotent, he could have snapped his fingers and said, your sins are forgiven. But by shedding his blood on the cross, he showed the extent of his love. He didn't just shed one drop of his blood, but he, he shed copious amounts. St. Paul says how inscrutable his judgments, how unsearchable his ways. St. Augustine says the cross is a seat of learning. And so on the cross, we become Christ-like, put off the old person. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, we're told in St. Matthew, I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For hiding these things <clears throat> from the learned and the clever and revealing them to little children. And so there is the wisdom of the cross versus the wisdom of the flesh. And the only victim is Christ. We shouldn't try to think of ourselves as victims or be full of self-pity. Christ is the one who carries the cross. Your sadness, he says, says St. Paul, will be turned into joy. In the way of the cross, we're also told love sacrifice. It's a fountain of interior life. Love the cross, which is an altar of sacrifice. Love pain until you drink as Christ did the very dregs of the chalice. So maybe during this retreat, we have to see, well, how can I bring the cross into my life a little more? Or offer up the little things that God sends me each day with a, a greater peace and serenity. At times the cross appears without our looking for it. It is Christ who is seeking us out. And if by chance, before this unexpected cross, which perhaps is therefore more difficult to understand. Your heart were to show repugnance. Don't give it consolations. And filled with a noble compassion when it asks for them, say to it slowly as one speaking in confidence, heart on the cross, heart on the cross. There may be many opportunities for mortification in the home, teaching our children things, repeating lessons 500 times, turning self-centered hedonists into human beings, grabbers into givers, teaching them not to dominate and manipulate the lives of everyone around them so that they're not totally given over to the satisfaction of their passions. One writer said once that no is also a loving word. But to say no to the people around us, well, it can take an effort. But that's one of the ways that we, we shape hearts and minds. We impart character. And the great importance is there of the example of parents. 
to show children with our action by the way that we live how we want them to live when we examine our conscience we may see that well we all need mortification from the top of our heads to the sole of our feet that spirit of mortification needs to be present in everything and to mortify ourselves will with elegance with cheerfulness with a smile In the prayer of the way of the cross, we find that beautiful phrase, we adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. Because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. And so as a fruit of this retreat, it could be good to have a crucifix somewhere near you that you can glance at from time to time when you feel like things are getting a bit too much or you get a bit overstressed or you're tense. Look at Christ on the cross and draw your strength from there. There's a great apostolic value in the cross. To offer this little thing for this soul, for that soul, this child, for my spouse, for my friend. The mysteries of life can have a great apostolic value. Maybe the bigger crosses that our Lord invites us to experience. Rejection, failure misunderstanding, miscommunications. God can use our experience of the cross to bring souls to him in later life. And so there's a sweetness of the cross. It's the sweetness that we find in Mary who stands beside the cross. My yoke is sweet and my burden is light. If we look at the cross with faith, we'll be helped to see the providence of God in the little things of each day. Chesterton wrote saying that one of the aspects of the cross that has not been written about, and more needs to be written about, he said, is the, the joy of Christ on the cross. It is accomplished. My Father's will has been done, completed. It's over. The whole of mankind has been saved. Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia. Because all the great things have, have happened. And so St. Paul says, do not model your behavior in the contemporary world. But let the renewing of your minds transform you. So that you may discern for yourselves what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and mature. And so we find a great importance there. The Catechism says the way <clears throat> of perfection passes by way of the cross. There is no holiness without renunciation and spiritual battle. Spiritual progress entails ascesis and mortification that gradually lead to living in the peace and joy of the Beatitudes. And so Lord, may I say yes to the cross and thank you for those things that you, that you send me and find my peace there so that I'm always ready to, to be open to whatever you may want to send me. And always, <clears throat> as on Calvary, we find Our Lady beside the cross. She makes the way safe. 
she will trace the sign of the cross on our foreheads and help us to see that the little contradiction of each day is a pathway of God speaking to us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.